stories, spirituality, pathways, and aliens. You're here on The Long Road Home. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Oh, it's going. Are you hanging in there? We hope you are. We just wanted to let y'all know we are recording this pre-election, um, but you will be listening post-election. So, um, it's Apocalypse we- Radio, baby. <laughs> no, matter, no matter what has happened, um, we love you. And we're here bringing you all the crazy stories that we can find. We hope that you had a great Halloween. Yeah, we did. We had a little feast of our own. Yeah, it was fun. We dressed up like Vikings, ate some chicken. And some pumpkin pie. Yeah, and we watched Evil Dead, which I had never actually seen the full movie before, so that was cool. It was. You know, it's a classic. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. too. But we hope whatever you guys got into, it was a blast. This episode, we decided since it is post-election and we don't know what's happening out there in the world, we decided to make it a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun, so uh, no one needs any more serious bullshit in their lives right now. Yeah, take a little time for yourself to kick Please back, God. relax, and learn about some silly cryptids with yeah, us. Yeah, we're looking at some obscure, maybe lesser-known cryptids out there in the United States. All right, should we dive in? Yeah, let's go ahead and start. Do you want to go first this week? Yeah, the first monster, <clears throat> yeah, the first cryptid I decided to look at was the South Carolina Lizard Man. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and just sort of state our sources as we go through them. Uh, I got a lot of information from Wikipedia, the state.com article, The Lizard Man Grows a New Tale, South Carolina Swamp Monster Allegedly Prowls Again. A HuffPost article, uh, a new station, WYFF4.com article that included story, that included stories from an old paper called the Sumter Newspaper, discoversouthcarolina.com, and cryptidswithaz.fandom.com. Now, our first cryptid comes from Lee County, South Carolina. Lee County, definitely not named after Robert E. Lee. Yes, it is. <laughs> sits between Columbia and Florence in central South Carolina. Home to almost 20,000 people today, Lee County is also home to one of the stranger purported cryptids in the United States. For a brief time, during the summer of 1988, the Lizard Man of South Carolina crept into the hearts and minds of Lee County residents, harassing and damaging the property of residents in and around the county. It's not too often that we get a scaly cryptid, I don't think. There's not a lot of them. We get a lot of furry ones. But nothing as strange as this. I don't know. It's something about the swamps down there that always skeeves me out. Mm. So it's very appropriate. Swamp monsters. Yeah, swamp monsters. So it's 1988, though. Yeah. We're rocking out. Okay. Yep. The hot, sweaty South Carolina summer of 1988. <laughs> uh, the Lizard Man of Skateboard Swamp, also known as the Lizard Man of Lee County, is an entity said to inhabit the swampland of the region. Although it is also known as the Bishopville Monster, the Lizard Man actually made itself known in the small community adjacent to Bishopville called Browntown. So, Lizard popped up in Browntown. All right. What a terrible name. That's just, why? <laughs> why? Is it still called Browntown? Yeah, I'm assuming. Browntown still exists. They really like their heritage down there. So, the story begins on July 14th, 1988. The county sheriff department was called out to investigate a car that had been damaged overnight while parked at a home in the area of Browntown outside Bishopville. So it's one word? Browntown is one yeah, word? Yeah, Browntown is one is word. Is it Brownton? Nope, Browntown. Okay. I'm assuming it's just Browntown. Okay. Browntown is located on the edges of the scape or swamp. Now, I went and searched like pictures of scape or swamp, and guess what? It looks like a swamp. <laughs> a lot of like big old cypress trees and just... Muggy. It looked yeah. muggy in all the pictures I saw. Dense. Yeah. When officers arrived on the scene, they noted that the car appeared to have teeth marks, scratches, and strange hair all over the vehicle. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know why it had hair. Yeah. It's supposed to be scaly. Hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> Was it somebody's hair? It might have been. Was somebody attacked by the lizard man? I'm sorry. I need to let you tell your story. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it could have been like, I don't know, meth. <laughs> Prompted by the news of the vehicle damage, a 17-year-old local named Christopher Davis reported to the sheriff that his car was damaged by a creature he described as green, wet-like, and about seven feet tall. He claimed it had three fingers, red eyes, skin like a lizard, and snake-like scales. He told the sheriff that his incident had actually happened two weeks prior to their investigation of the car. In a report from the Sumter newspaper, Davis is quoted as saying, I looked back and saw something running across the field towards me. It was about 25 yards away, and I saw red eyes glowing. I ran into the car, and as I locked it, the thing grabbed the door handle. I could see him from the neck down, 
three big fingers, long black nails, and green rough skin. It was strong and angry. I looked in my mirror and saw a blur of green running. I could see his toes, and then he jumped on the roof of my car. I thought I heard a grunt, and then I could see his fingers through the front windshield, where they curled around on the roof. I sped up and swerved to shake the creature off. Driving, lizard on the car, car's going, then it goes, er, and it breaks, so then the, car, the lizard falls forward. So then he didn't run it over? No, he did not run it over. Okay. Don't know why. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to visualize how this all went down. Okay. I don't think it landed in front of him. Gotcha. Whatever happened to it, it scurried off into the woods. Okay. Into the swamp. Uh, he continues saying that it initially made him believe he was under siege by the devil himself. So that's the first real encounter that we have with the lizard man. There was a small encounter. Harrowing. Yes. There was a small encounter a couple of weeks prior to that when some bicyclists stopped to get some water out of like a spring running off a mountain. They claimed to have saw him like walking through the forest. Just like hanging out. Yeah. Just so, strolling. But they didn't report it right away. That came out after this initial encounter or after. You know, I'm, I'm not entirely certain. I okay. know that like they told someone at some point, but I'm sure they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. Um, get, take your box and get on out of here. Um, <laughs> so the same article that I got Davis's quote from can, continues on saying that in the summer of 1988, 12 more people claimed to see the lizard man of Skateboard Swamp. Some people were chased by the creature and, and others were slowly being followed until the creature was spotted and ran away. There were also more reports of mutilated cars. On July 24th, four teenagers on a double date saw a massive-looking thing run across the road about 20 feet in front of them. Shortly after receiving this initial report, the police received several more reports of howling and screeching coming from the same area. Officers were dispatched to the area and discovered three 40-gallon drums smashed and scattered all over the road. Several trees also had their tops torn off about 8 feet off the ground. There were also more three-toed footprints measuring 14 inches by 7 inches wide that followed a trail almost 900 feet into the swamp itself. So the police were called out, and the sheriff actually made plaster cast of the three-toed footprints and considered taking them to the FBI, but eventually they were like, what the fuck are they going to say? So they didn't. I think it's important to note that these occurrences were consistently within a three-mile radius of Bishopville and the swamp. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. that's his domain. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you guys... So, like, does the, does the cast still exist? Do we know? I'm sure it's uh, floating around somewhere, somewhere in some deep, ugly basement in South Carolina. <laughs> Collecting dust. Davis's story, along with the initial news about the vehicle damage in Browntown, were quickly picked up by the news. Coverage resulted in increased attention for his claims, and before long, local businesses began selling Lizard Man t-shirts, and the local Chamber of Commerce even came out and told the media that it was good for the community. As the attention of the Lizard Man grew that summer, so did the claims of Lizard Man sightings. There were several more instances of Lizard Man activity during the hot and muggy summer of 1988, and local radio station WCOS even offered a million dollar reward to anybody who could capture the creature alive. Where's WCOS getting that kind of money? <laughs> uh, <laughs> good question. I'm just saying, that's a hefty reward. I've never from seen a, a radio local station. Radio station just my goodness. That much fucking money around. Right? Yeah, most of the radio stations I've been in are. Very, very poor. <laughs> well, I mean, this is 1988, now. so maybe they were just thriving. Radio was thriving. Yeah. It was hot. It was a hot thing back then. You know, radio. Oh, no. But then video killed the radio star. Video killed the radio star. So, I mean, by now. <laughs> and then YouTube killed the video star. And then TikTok killed YouTube. And so and, on. And, and here so we are. <laughs> election 2020. The last big sighting, quote unquote sighting, was on August 5th when Kenneth Orr, an airman stationed at Shaw Air Force Base, filed a police report alleging he had encountered the lizard man on Highway 15. He claims he had shot and wounded it, because what else do you do when you see something you're not sure of? Kill it. You shoot it. Shoot immediately. it. And so many of these stories are like that. Yep. Like, I didn't know what to do, so I, I, I plugged it. I put a round in it. I don't know what I would do, though, really and truly, if I thought I saw a lizard man. I mean, how are you going to capture that thing? You, you fucking shoot it. <laughs> um, or presented several scales and a small quantity of blood as evidence. But uh, eventually, he recanted his account two days later when he was arraigned for unlawfully carrying a pistol and the misdemeanor offense of filing a false police report. So he pulled all that shit back really quick. He's like, no, I didn't. I don't even have a gun. Exactly. <laughs> he, so he, did, he came out and said like he had made up a hoax in order to keep the stories about the lizard man in circulation. He just loved the story that much. He wanted to keep it alive. Yeah, he was just really, really concerned for Browntown and Bishopville and just wanted him to succeed. Gotcha. And, you know, I guess that's that's how he saw it happening. That's how you do it. <laughs> uh, now, 
Just as quickly as he came, the lizard man appeared to have receded back into the swamp as summer ended and temperatures began to drop. After 1988, stories of the lizard man mostly disappeared and it sank into the folklore of Lee County. For decades, the occasional lizard man sighting occurred, including a 2008 claim that a car was damaged that was also followed by the death of a cow. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> it has popped up again in recent years as well in 2015. A man named Jim Wilson said he was traveling toward Camden on South Carolina Highway 34 when something came out of the woods and ran across the Skateboard Bridge. As any good South Carolinian who potentially spots a lizard man would do, Wilson got out of his car and began taking pictures. It was a tall... He's so he quote, didn't shoot at it. He didn't shoot at it because he didn't have his gun. Oh. Um, he's quoted as saying, It was a tall, dark figure that had a tail and appeared to have scales. It was almost like an alligator with a short nose and long legs. Wilson said the creature heard him and turned towards him just as he snapped the last photograph. It then moved quickly into the water, he said. As Wilson returned to his vehicle, he looked back one more time, only to see the creature crossing the swamp. Um, a lot of his friends tell him it's a monitor lizard. <laughs> so, I don't know. With the short snout, that's kind of what I was envisioning. Yeah, do they stand up? I don't know. But I don't, th- I don't think they stand up, do they? I don't know. If he did, he should have shot it. We'd know. <laughs> he just blow the side out of a monitor lizard. <laughs> Uh, Wilson is also quoted as saying his girlfriend is convinced that it was the lizard man. How tall is the lizard man claimed? No clue. Pretty tall, like seven feet. Seven oh, feet. Okay. That is a monitor <laughs> lizard. Showing you a picture of the monitor lizard. <laughs> it can stand up, but it's yeah. not that big. No, could have been. I don't know what he thought he saw. So, in the same year, a woman who identified herself only as Sarah reportedly spotted the lizard man while attending church with a friend in Bishopville, about 10 miles north of Skateboard Swamp. She said in an email to the magazine The State, quote, We saw a lizard man come out of the woods and run along the tree line. My hand to God, I am not making this up. End quote. She also claims to have taken the only photo of the lizard man ever taken as it ran around the woods near a church, which, uh, obviously, it's not entirely true, unless she believes that, oh, what's-his-name, Wilson, was lying. Yeah, that's a pretty bold claim. Have yeah. you done your research, well, ma'am? Well, I don't know. I looked at the picture that she took, which is the only one I was able to find, and there's not a lot of evidence there to say that it's anything other than maybe uh, a small shrub. Oh, really? Yeah, it's Bummer. not. It's just like all those fucking cryptid photos. It's like cell phone, grainy old cell phone picture. Uh, it seems like everyone who takes these photos has a fucking Nikon brick still. So we weren't able to find Wilson's photos? I didn't. I wasn't able to. No. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't look. <laughs> <laughs> I searched lizard man photo. Hers came up. It was shit. So I just stopped. I figured one is enough. Now, the lizard man sightings have not come without scrutiny, which is crazy. Some believe that the property damage is the work of a local bear, which would explain the hair. A longtime critic of the sightings, Ben Radford, had this to say about Davis's encounter. <clears throat> it is quite literally incredible, riddled with both implausibilities and impossibilities. It may be sincere, or it may be a hoax, but in either event, no hard evidence of the creature has been found. What a party pooper. <laughs> Come on. You don't know? Yeah. How prideful of you, sir. He's, uh, he's got his head way up his ass out there <laughs> scrutinizing the lizard man. You know you've hit a low point in your life when that's, that's what you're getting interviewed for. He's also been recorded as criticizing several aspects of Davis's story, including a polygraph that Davis apparently took during one recounting of the tale with the sheriff's department. I don't know why they did that. I guess they just had to know, is Davis lying to us about that fucking lizard? And? The polygraph came back as, what is True? I don't know. <laughs> like, he was a lion. <laughs> okay. Whatever okay. you want to call that. Um, but it was given to him by a group that a lot of people think did it intentionally to further the story. Understood. Make it more plausible, you know. A 2012 episode of the sci-fi series Fact or Faked Paranormal Files. Great show. Focused on South Carolina's lizard man legend. The investigative team, led by former FBI Special Agent Ben Hansen, went deep into the forest near Bishopville. They made their own video of the lizard man to purposely try and see how many people they could fool. That was the whole point of them going. Oh. They went out there and uh, they were like, let's just fuck it and see what we can do. He claims that it was a social experiment, saying, quote, 
there was scant evidence out there of his existence, so we filmed what I call an ethical hoax as a kind of social experiment. So, Is it ethical? <laughs> yeah. Or is it kind of poking fun at the original sightings? Just making fun of everyone in Brown Down. Making fun of us <laughs> believers. <laughs> they weren't getting made fun of enough for being from Brown Down. <laughs> uh, he goes on saying that we worked with a guy who specializes in transforming himself into a lizard man using special effects. He helped us create a lizard man suit, which I wore. Being in South Carolina, one of my biggest concerns was to keep everybody else away from the area. Because if hunters saw lizard men walking through the forest, they wouldn't ask questions before taking <laughs> me down. <laughs> right. I mean, he's aren't you wrong. worried about getting shot? Uh, he's a former special FBI agent. Gotcha. I don't know. Sounds like he's cocky. He's looking out you for his team, me. I guess. Well, party poopers aside, the town of Bishopville has fully embraced their scaly friend. Today, you can find Lizard Man memorabilia in just about any local shop in Bishopville. The town also hosts an annual Lizard Man festival since 2018. Now, I tried to go to their website, and the domain no longer existed. Yeah. So that might have been... Uh, a one-time thing? Well, no, it's, thing. It, was, it started in 2018. They have a Facebook 2018, page. 2018, 2019. Probably didn't happen in the year 2020. No, it was online. It was a virtual According to their Facebook experience. page. But they don't have a website anymore, so the Lizard Man fanfare might be dying down. Let's bring it back, you guys. Yeah, bring back Lizard Man. <laughs> Lizard Man 2024. Sadly, the wave of Lizard Man enthusiasm may have crested for now. For the town and many people in the state, however, the Lizard Man of Skateboard Swamp is still held in the highest of regard. An article from the actual tourism website, Discover South Carolina, is quoted as saying, Scotland has the Loch Ness Monster. The Pacific Northwest has the Sasquatch. Puerto Rico has the Chupacabra. Nepal, the Yeti. They cannot hold a candle to the lizard man. <laughs> wow. Yeah, hot take. Yeah, hot take, South <laughs> Carolina. Uh, and I'm going to close up with a Bishopville local, Robert Howell's quote, who is an avid supporter of the lizard man. No matter who you are, it's part of the local folklore now. <sighs> it might not be the way Bishopville chose to get on the map. They probably would have rather had someone living here who got a Nobel Peace Prize, but Bishopville, home of the lizard man? <laughs> What's wrong with that? And that is the story of the Lizard Man of Skateboard Swamp. Yay! <laughs> What's wrong with that? For one. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Home of the Lizard Man. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, there are better things, <laughs> I guess. But I, I don't know. It sounds like they're happy to take it. No, I think so too. It's better than Brown Town. Better than, yeah. <laughs> better than Brown Town. <laughs> oh man okay so that's Great my first cryptid. Thank you, thank I, you. I like it i like it all right what do you got all right so we are now going to travel to the heart of the Northwoods of wisconsin to a town called rhinelander sounds like the wild west a vast landscape of coniferous forest covering over half a million acres of public land it was founded as a logging town because of its location along a stretch of rapids on the wisconsin river Known originally as Pelican Rapids, the town grew quickly during the lumber boom in the 1800s, attracting residents, new businesses, and setting the stage for the Hodag's rise to fame. So that's that's the cryptid. <laughs> that's the cryptid that I'm covering is the Hodag. The Hodag. In case you didn't understand that. What a dumb name. <laughs> what a, that has to be like okay. I don't know the o the origins of the name. No, I am not familiar with how. how has it got to be Native name. American. Ho for large furry thing. Dag meaning. Uh, stabby teeth. I don't know. Sure. We're gonna cut that. Okay. Ignore it. Just fucking forget it. I'm not that funny. Delete. <laughs> the railway arrived in 1882, and the town's name was changed to Rhinelander in honor of F. W. Rhinelander of New York City, president of the Milwaukee Lake Shore and Western Railway. Throughout the 18 and 1900s, the surrounding forest drew in several lumberjacks in the hopes of steady employment, including a Mr. Eugene Shepard. A little bit about Eugene, he was a deputy surveyor and a lumberjack from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and moved to Rhinelander in 1885. Eugene worked as a timber cruiser for multiple lumber companies. Timber cruising is when you survey forested land to estimate the volume of trees within a specified boundary. Gotcha. And Eugene apparently was a very good timber cruiser. And a lot of trees. even successfully um, drafted his own survey plat book for surrounding counties. But it's here in this forest that we meet the terrifying lumberjack-eating monster, the Hodag of Wisconsin. Hodag! 
Beautiful. Can't help it. Beautiful. Something about that name. It just sounds like it needs to be sung. Yeah. Well, according to Shepard, he first sighted the Hodag in 1893 while walking through a Northwoods logging camp. He claimed that it ate people, specifically Northwoods timbermen that crossed its path. Oh, shit. Shepard describes the Hodag as a stout beast with razor fangs, giant horns protruding from its head, powerful claws, a horned tail, and an unsightly face. <laughs> In a sad <laughs> okay. twist, what were you going to say? Nothing. I just, that's <laughs> ridiculous. It has a lot. There's a lot going on. What the it's, fuck it has was a happening over on. there? The lumberjacks were like. It has like these crazy, crazy big teeth, horns, and then like a stegosaurus back and a horned tail and claws and just like there's a lot <laughs> there's other, like if life wasn't bad enough you're still terrible you're cutting trees down all day and now there's a beastie and the beastie also apparently sm- smells terrible um everything um, just smells bad in wisconsin what's going on i mean it was 1883 i'm sure nothing smelled, smelled that great we were all taking one bath every like six weeks i think we were a little more dignified in 1883 i don't know man <laughs> <laughs> at least like once a week right I don't know. Okay. Well, let's not get into that right now. I there's. Let's get back to the hodag. In a sad twist contrasting that of Narcissus, its profile was said to be so displeasing that the hodag himself could not withstand his reflection and often wept in the forest. It sounds like me when I wake up in the mornings. <laughs> oh, no. You're beautiful. <laughs> a big, hairy, teeth-riddled, flat-faced monster. Come on, though. Can we just appreciate that writing? This no, it was beautiful. Writing. Did you write that? that? I did. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Henry Tryon, author of the 1939 novel Fearsome Critters, added further claims that the hodag is no match for citrus fruit. Tryon suggests that a population of hodags can easily be destroyed with just two lemons. Why? <laughs> Um, I actually, here is a quote directly from... Oh, okay, great. You, you were lo- <laughs> locked and loaded for this question. I was ready. Well, it's not necessarily, it's just a little bit more about the lemons. Quote, the hodag is indubitably one of the best known of the larger and more dangerous woods varmints. It is now very rare, probably owing to the increased use of lemons in cookery, for hodags and citrus fruits are in the same ratio as wolves and wolfbane. Probably more so. So that's that's all he's going to say about the lemons. Just so Damn, you know. all right. So, um, But apparently lemons were as poisonous to hodags as wolf as wolfbane is to wolves. Just fake it till you make it. It's yeah. one of those lies that just became a truth. It's funny that you keep mentioning that book because it's actually been on a list that I had on Amazon for years that I've always wanted. Nice. Yeah. Well, it seems to be a, a pretty interesting one. So it, It's should, all like, yeah, it. it is. It's all like lumberjack monsters. It's really cool. He goes on to say that the hodag is, quote, a distressingly ugly animal. The knobbedly head wears a pair of prominent bulging eyes and two heavy lateral horns, something after the fashion of a male stag beetle. The claws are stout and powerful. The tail carries a terminal hook, while a row of jagged stegosaurian dorsal spines complete that picture. The smaller front teeth were formerly often used for umbrella handles. <laughs> That's that's what he says. He's just throwing ideas out he's there just now. Throwing, he's stuck. just throwing it out there. We got lemons. We got where people are collecting the teeth for yeah, umbrella yeah, handles. Yeah, umbrella handles. This yeah, thing was that's so a great common. idea, boss. Yeah, yeah. This was so common in Wisconsin in the late 1800s that it, like, it was, people were using it as umbrella handles. <laughs> we were getting creative. Anyway. The hodag is fully aware of his upsetting appearance and is given to frequent bits of bitter weeping. I once had a handful of the extremely rare crystallized hodag tears. Jesus. Uh-huh. They brutalize this poor monster. I know. I know. Here's the thing. It sounds like this would pass the mirror test that that tells you if something's sentient or not. So in reality, they were brutally... It was genocide. It they, was weeping it of was its genocide. own reflection. It definitely had a conscience. They erased a species. Uh, I mean, Yeah. And now he's on T-shirts. So a lot of that was going on back in the 1800s. Um, but he goes on to say, An inquisitive lady friend collected these tears, believing them to be fine amber. She had strung them into a neck yoke. Necklace? Uh, yeah, it's like a, the only thing I can think is because a, is, a yoke is something you put on like an ox when they're plowing. So I think that's what they're trying to say. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's you. You got it. Nice. Nail, you hit the nail on the head. Well done. I contain um, a vast knowledge then of few things. She went and spilled a Tom Collins on herself. Of course, 
the lemon juice in the Tom Collins dissolved them instantly. Ugh. Ugh. Uh. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the most bizarre what quote? What were they thinking? Yeah, it's very strange. Oh, wait. I'm not done. Sorry. <laughs> this fellow can't endure being laughed at. When angry, he is fierce and dangerously aggressive. But a pair of lemons is ample protection against the whole herd. There you All go. Right. End quote. All right. So... <laughs> I'm just picturing like a, a horde of like sharp teeth clawed beasts running at you and you just walk out towards them holding like, two lemons. Motherfucker. And they turn It was the AR-15 of the 1800s, two lemons, against a herd of feral hodags. Other steadfast believers dive into the hodag's origins, alleging it grew from the piled ashes of many cremated ox, which perished after hauling timber for the lumberjacks of the North Woods. So that bit of knowledge specifically uh, comes from The Hodag and Other Tales of the Logging Camp by Luke Sylvester, a 1928 novel. Boy, The Hodag was like pretty popular there for a while. Yeah. So yeah. Weird. I know. And I never heard of it, but he is well known, at least by some. By loggers. <laughs> by loggers. Hodag stories spread throughout the Midwest, most of which were tales of the naive who had been fooled by false accounts. Shepard refuted disbelievers by featuring a column in Rhinelander's local paper, The New North, shortly after his sighting. He even provided photographic evidence of the beast. As the story goes, a group of local men used hunting dogs, rifles, and squirt guns loaded with poison water. Poison water. To attack the hodag without what? success. What the fuck is poison water? They were just mixing everything together. Was it lemonade? Could have been. <laughs> Could have been. It could have been. Um, before they successfully used dynamite to kill the fearsome creature. So the lemons didn't work. <laughs> they just were like, fucking exploded. You know, yeah, we're getting some conflicting accounts. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but that is the they story. They exploded them. I believe from the actual Rylander website. Three years later, Shepard came back with an even bigger claim. He had captured a live hodag with the help of some bear wrestlers and a healthy dose of chloroform. So he, Jesus, man. They, they were, were using just, just everything that they could. Making up like the shittiest tall tale that ever was. Why did people just believe any? Well, never well, mind. <laughs> you believe anything. It. I was going to say, why does he anyone believe anything? He then would attempt to provide evidence by participating in his county's first annual fair. For a small admission fee, fairgoers could witness a live captured hodag firsthand. They were. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were quickly led through a dimly lit area where the hodag was said to be very much alive and hiding in a stall, obscured by curtains. It was for the safety of all that no one spent too much time near the stall in fear of the hodag escaping. So that was it. You basically were shuffled through this room. The hodag was in a stall behind the curtain. Sometimes you'd see it kind of move behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, maybe you would get a glimpse of it, like peeking out beyond the curtain. But then you, you were shuffled away. Just sobbing. But it was um, very successful and news spread far and wide. Shepard gained enough support that the hodag was often considered a, quote, scientific discovery. Oh, my God. So did they take it on the road? Shepard continued to enter his hodag exhibit in local fairs, but with mounting pressure from skeptics, eventually he confessed that his accounts were false. No shit. Shepard admitted that he not only contrived the, fict the fictitious sightings, but with the help of a friend, he had manufactured the captive hodag out of carved wood. <laughs> that was just a block of wood. His motive was to entice an audience with fear and wonder. I miss uh, like sideshows, traveling sideshows like that. You never, you, did you ever go to one? I don't know. It's like there was some like fa county fairs and stuff yeah. or like state fair. I remember like there was one that was like, look at the mermaid. And you got oh, to do yeah. it. And it was like, you paid like way too much money to go get a blurry fucking blob. Yeah, the state fair. Yeah. Like, this is what's left after it decompressed from underneath the ocean because we murdered it. Hey, who knows? The year 2020, we've been kind of under a rock. So maybe those things still exist somewhere. God. <laughs> maybe so they'll come back. They do. I will say, in Tryon's account, there were other sightings before Shepard's. Um, I wasn't able to find too many specifics, but I had seen that uh, sightings of the Hodag happened before Shepard came along as well. Okay. Um, in fact, the Hodag story might even predate the Northwoods logging days. They were pictographs from uh, long before this time from indigenous people um, that actually strongly resemble the Hodag. What? Um, but it was called the Mishupeshu, and it was a water panther. Weird. Yeah, so... so maybe he wasn't uh, full of shit? Maybe. I mean, maybe he just 
he saw it and then didn't know how to describe it. D- d- didn't know how to convince people, so then he just made it up. I, we, I mean, we don't know, but there are other accounts other than Shepard's. Over time, most had lost their belief in a fanged monster roaming the North Woods, but continued to embrace the folklore. Today, the Hodag is featured throughout Rhinelander. There is a Hodag Country Music Festival, the Hodag 5K Run, toys, clothing, numerous statues, including a pandemic-compliant Hodag, (laughs) which we will feature on our Instagram. Um, He has a giant mask. It's pretty cute. Um, A nomination for the presidential election and cameos in cartoons, including the Hodag of Horror and Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc. Season 2, Episode 5. Whoa. Yeah. So whether one believes in this citrus-fearing monster or not, credit must be given to the imagination and devotion of its fans. The end. Nice. That was a great story. So what's sadder, crying in the woods because you're ugly or the thought of being forgotten by everyone? The latter. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Hodag. Long live Hodag. Hodag. (laughs) I also have a really great picture that I'm going to throw up from the late 1800s of the local citizens reenacting. (laughs) That is a great picture. Reenacting the time they captured the Hodak. They like all got dressed up and went out at a date at a time and took a really silly picture. There's a bunch of men, you know, in 1800s garb with their pitchforks at the ready, all surrounding a little wooden uh, carving of the Hodag. And there's <laughs> in front of it, there's another man on the ground playing dead. It's, it's pretty great. <laughs> we haven't got to use pitchforks in ages. Um, I got a majority of my information from an article posted by the Bureau of Land Management. I also got some information from explorerhinelander.com and www.lib.lumberwoods.org. All right. Cool. Great story. Thank you. Hodag. Hodag. Never forget. All right. We hope your interest is peaked. We've got two more for you. My next one is a monster. You know, I said these were in the United States, but I totally lied. This one's in Canada. Oh, <laughs> yeah. North America. So Lake Utopia in Charlotte County near the main border is a seven kilometer long, three kilometer wide body of water that reaches an average depth of around 11 meters. I don't know that conversion. A popular destination for recreation, Lake Utopia is also known for the Lake Utopia Lake Monster, Old Ned. All right. And I'm going to go ahead and start by saying I have absolutely no idea why they call it Old Ned. None. I didn't see it anywhere. It just, it, he just old, is. Yeah. He's just Old Ned. He was. I fucking, I don't know. I don't understand anything anymore. Regardless, local legend has it that the lake is inhabited by a sea monster. Some people call it the Lake Utopia Lake Monster. I like Old Ned. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Yeah. The story goes that long ago, two Malasit natives, I think that's, I don't know how you say it. Uh, sorry. Uh, the story goes long ago, two Malasit natives were canoeing on the lake when suddenly the monster appeared and chased them from one end to the other. Since the arrival of Europeans to the area in the late 18th century, the story has continued, with new sightings being reported every three to five years. As noted in research by cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman, it has a decidedly long and bulky cetacean appearance, so kind of like a dolphin or a whale, and may be representative of an unknown group of animals that travel back and forth between Lake Utopia and the Atlantic Ocean in routine cycles related to breeding and feeding. Norma Stewart has posited that the creature travels between Lake Utopia and the Atlantic Ocean every three to five years, perhaps to breed. So that's where you get that uh, fluctuation in the reports, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Now, although information is sparse, there have been several recorded sightings ranging from 1867 to the year 2000. Most are only observational, although there are several reports that claim those who saw it had some sort of interaction with the beast. So I, I pulled up like a bunch of like I pulled up the list of sightings. There's not like a ton of information. Most of them are just saying like I saw something come out of the water. It had a hump. That that type of thing. Right. right? Just a big thing in the water. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so some of the encounters are a little bit more interactive. Like in 1872, some of the natives of the land described a terrifying monster with a large head and bloody jaws following their canoes. Ooh. Yeah. In 1891, William Francis Ganong recorded in his notebook a description of a monster provided by a lumberman who claimed to have seen it 20 years prior. So here we again have lumbermen lying through their teeth to people for no reason. Well, you know <laughs> I what? Seen it. I seen old Ned. You're just out in the quiet woods all day. Yeah. You're going to... You're probably going to come up with something. 
Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you? You probably think of something so much that it becomes your reality, no matter if it's real or not. Yeah, you start to hear a sound, a weird sound, or you, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of smell something weird, or hear something weird, or see something weird, and Mm -hmm. then you just kind of formulate your own narrative. But I'm here for it. Yeah. Bring it. (laughs) I'm not saying I doubt old Ned. I'm just saying I doubt lumberjacks. (laughs) Yeah. I don't trust lumberjacks after all these stories I've been hearing. Uh, he did describe the monster in a way that a lot of people do describe it now, saying it was dark red in color. The part showing above the water was 20 feet long and as big around as a small hogshead. It was much like a large eel. So, and that goes into one of the theories as to what it could be. A lot of people claim it could be an oarfish that has somehow gotten into the lake from the ocean. Ooh. Yeah. Don't know how that could happen exactly. I know that there's like, I think it's like the St. George River or some something connects it to the Atlantic. And do those get really big? Oarfish can get like 20 oh, feet long, I know 40 that. feet long. I know I can't that. Remember. I know the answer to that yeah, question. Yeah, th- th- they can get pretty big. Uh, 1982, a man named Sherman Hatt said he and his family saw a large creature that looked like a submarine coming out of the <clears throat> a submarine coming out of the water with spray on both sides. Eh? It was about three meters long and put me in the mind. That's not. That's a terrible Canadian accent. <clears throat> it was about 10 feet long, eh? And put me in the mind of the back of a whale. Uh, 1996, Roger and Lois Wilcox were canoeing on the lake when they saw ripples break the placid surface 100 meters away from them. It was heading toward Cannonball Island, a common monster sighting spot. <laughs> what? Why? Uh, Wilcox reports the monster as being 40 to 50 feet long, undulating upward and not sideways. So it's more of an eel-like motion, again, that we're seeing. Oh, gotcha. I, I guess. Do eels, well, well, do eels go up and down? I feel like eels go side to eels side. Eels do go side to side. So more, what goes more up and down? dolphin-like in nature? Yeah, yeah. Cessation. Mm, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so might we, if we're um, maybe Cannonball Island or somewhere near Cannonball Island is where its breeding ground is. Yeah, could be. Could be a time portal underneath the water. A rift Ooh. in space-time sending cessations could to be. and fro. I know I'm not saying that right. Do not correct me. So the last reported sighting, I, I guess one of the cryptozoologists claims that someone reported to them a sighting in 2020. The last sighting reported to the news was in 2016 when Roger and Carl Settle were walking along the beach at 11.30 p.m. on July 7th when out of the bushes appeared a giant pink monster. Pink? Yeah. In the bushes? In the bushes. It came out of the water. Oh, wow. Yeah, according to them, it was just waddling around. Uh, never had they believed in this blood-sucking monster until that day. Now, there, I do have an interview with an old man who claims that his grandfather, or that who claims that he saw it. I need to know more about the bush sighting. I know, right? That's all that was there. That's all I could find. Was he just, was he, how was he? he just was came, he standing there? Did he have legs? Was I don't know. Was he just know. flopping around? Does he... He probably like slithered, slithered. I, I, saying I need gross. to know more. <laughs> don't mind me. And blood sucking, is he more like a lamprey then? Oh, I hope it's not a fucking, I hate fucking Giant lampreys. lamprey. It skis me out really hard. For those of you that know, don't know what a lamprey is, lamprey? Lamprey. Whatever. I don't know. Um, I don't care. It's, like a, it's almost like a leech, but the it teeth. has like, yeah, teeth all the way that go all the way around on the inside of its mouth. Yeah. They're actually an invasive species in the Great Lakes. They're so invasive they're, species they're in a lot of sea lampreys. There are sea lampreys that get big too. Mm-hmm. I hope I hope it's not in the bushes. So, I have a local resident, Jack Kelson's report of how he saw it in 1953. A mere teenager at the time, he was fishing with his father, Rupert Kelson, just off Cannonball Island on Lake Utopia when they saw a disturbance break the water. My father said it was a sea monster, eh? It was black and it had a tail that looked like a dragon's. He recalled. I got pretty excited at 13, you know. He was so. We have a pretty big listener base in Canada. Yeah, I know, and uh, they'll enjoy this. You think so? I think so. Okay, please don't be offended. <laughs> it's done with love. It is. I like Canadian accents way better than my hillbilly accent. It's, yeah, this is when this is done with respect. Yes, it is. <laughs> Canadians are proud people. He was so excited, in fact, that he lost the oar off the side of the boat. His father's quick thinking, however, led him to cast a fishing line out to catch the errant boat prop. I've never seen it again, but I know several people have seen it twice, Kelson said, adding that his cousin, Earl Hatt, is one of the few remaining witnesses. His father would later explain that he suspected it to be a group of eels during mating season in April, but his grandfather, Will Hatt, was convinced it was a sea monster. It's all I ever heard when I was a kid, he said. 
The older people always talked about Lake Utopia Sea Monster. Since the 90s, there have been some fish ladders and dams and stuff put in the St. George River, so sightings have went way down since then. But Jack Kelson is adamant that what he saw was old Ned. That's the end. Yay! (laughs) There was not a lot of information. Um, Oh, there are some skeptics, uh, always. Marine biologists. Marine biologist Stephen Turnbull says that the lake simply can't support something of that size. There's no tidal fluctuations in that lake, said Turnbull. It's frozen over in the wintertime, so it's highly unlikely that an air-breathing animal could survive in that type of environment, especially if it's that large. Many do attribute the sightings, like I said, to an oarfish or a giant ball of mating river eels. And that's the end. Okay. Well, I mean, isn't the theory that he was... Where it was swimming out of the lake, so maybe it wasn't there when the lake froze over. But I guess now the question is: is like the canal? Are the canals and dams preventing it from leaving, like coming? And the going? disappearances have went way down. Or, sorry, the appearances have went way down since that. So I don't know. But that marine biologist spent their whole life just waiting to ruin someone else's day. <laughs> uh, but that's the story of old Ned. If you've ever seen old Ned. Let us know. Yeah, if you have any tales of old Ned or of any of the cryptids that we're talking about today, let us know. But before... Old Ned! So we have one more. We do. My story is also going to be short and sweet. Um, And it's not dissimilar to the story that you told earlier, uh, that of the lizard man. I will be covering today the Loveland Frogman. Hell yeah. In Ohio folklore, the Loveland Frogman, also known as the Loveland Frog or Loveland Lizard, is a legendary humanoid frog described as standing roughly four feet tall, allegedly spotted in Loveland, Ohio. University of Cincinnati folklore professor Edgar Slotkin compared the Loveland Frog to Paul Bunyan, saying that stories about it have been passed down for several decades and that sighting reports seem to come in predictable cycles. According to various legends, the creature was first sighted in 1955, with some versions of the story specifying the month of May. There are three different versions of that story that only slightly differ from each other. The three stories all start the same way, with a businessman or traveling salesman driving along an unnamed road late at night. But the stories start to diverge at this point. In one story, the driver was heading out of the Branch Hill neighborhood when he spotted three figures that stood erect on their hind legs along the side of the road, each three to four feet in height, with leathery skin and frog faces. In the other two versions of the story, the creatures were spotted under or over a poorly lit bridge. There are a number of bridges in Loveland that go over the little Miami River. That was in parentheses, hence my... I was, okay. That was my parentheses <laughs> voice. Great, so frogs... Going to Miami on the river. This is in Ohio. Making a stop in Ohio. It's the Miami River. Okay. Does the Miami River go to Miami? I had no idea there was a Miami River. I didn't either until this story, but I don't think they're related. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. Probably not. It's Ohio. There's there's a place called Miami, Ohio, right? Am I wrong? There's, yeah, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Yeah. Imagine being that Miami. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Miami is the autonym for the Miami Indians, once of Ohio, Indiana, and Michigan. Okay, that makes way more sense. While there is no longer any place in Ohio known simply as Miami, the term is a part of the name of several places in Ohio. The story tells of the businessman watching the figures converse for a while until one of the creatures held a wand over its head and fired a spray of sparks, startling the observer into fleeing the scene. The frog threw sparks? The frog man, yes, had a wand that threw oh, sparks. Oh, it just had a wand. That Okay. He held a wand over its head and it fired a spray of sparks. I believe you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so that's like, that's the story of the original sighting of the frog man in 1955. There's kind of different versions of the story, but they're all very similar in those ways. Our next account of the Frogman occurs many years later in 1972. On two separate occasions, two Ohio policemen saw the Frogman. Paranormal investigators Ron Schaffner and Richard McKay and Richard Mackey, who interviewed the officers, investigated the incidents. The first incident took place at 1 a.m. on March 3, 1972, on a clear, cold night. Officer Ray Shockey was en route to Loveland via Riverside Road when he thought he saw a dog beside the roadway in a field on Twite... 
This is a weird road name. Okay. Twight Twee Twight Twee Road. Twight Twee. Twight Twee Road. It's what? T W I G H T W E E Road. Only in Ohio. Tweety? Twight no, it's Twight Twight Twee. All right, let's know, continue. My brain's frying. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thought he saw a dog beside the roadway in a field on Twitwee Road. <laughs> I just said Twitwee Road. <laughs> oh my god! It's, come on. In a field on Twitwee Road, but then the thing stood up, its eyes illuminated by the car lights. Looked at him for an instant, turned and leapt over a guardrail. Shockey saw it go down an embankment and into the Little Miami River. He described the thing as weighing about 60 pounds, standing about three to four feet tall, and having a textured leathery skin and a face like a frog or lizard. Whoa. Shockey drove to the police station and returned with Officer Mark Matthews to look for evidence of the creature. They turned up scrape marks leading down the side of the small hill near the river. On St. Patrick's Day, 1972, Officer... Officer Matthews was driving outside of Loveland when he had a similar experience. Seeing an animal lying in the middle of the road, he stopped to remove what he thought was a dead critter. Instead, when the officer opened his squeaky car door, the animal got up into a crouched position like a football player. The creature hobbled to the guardrail and lifted his leg over the fence, keeping an eye on Matthews the whole time. That's so weird. Right? So it's just it like, and then he, hop, he hops up. And oh, then kind of like oh, skitters over to the, oh, the guardrail. He's oh, like hobbling a little bit, but oh, all the way out, just kind of giving you the stink uh, eye. Uh, like, I'm uh, watching you. Uh, uh, well, perhaps it was the funny smirk on its face, but Matthews decided to shoot it. Yeah, as you do. As you do. As you do with cryptids. When you see a frogman. As is tradition. <laughs> he missed, however, probably because the thing didn't slow down. Matthews later told how he felt the creature stood more upright than the way that Shockey had initially described. One area farmer told investigators that he saw a large frog-like or lizard-like creature during the same month of the officer's sighting. Unfortunately, the reports of the 1972 frogmen had been hard on the witnesses. Real rough, I bet. A local businessman who wished not to be identified in a 1985 newspaper story about the sightings said, quote, those two officers took a lot of flack about the sighting back then. People made fun of them and the city, end quote. <laughs> Years later, in 1999, during local media interviews, Mark Matthews explained that he was tired of talking about the frogman and that what he had seen was an iguana. So he shot an iguana, just blew a hole through it. So, he, yes, he totally backpedaled on his whole story. Why are we killing so many lizards in this country? But again, this is in Ohio. So what's an iguana doing in Ohio? Same reason that there's monitor lizards running around Florida. <laughs> what was that? What's the reason, though? Uh, that's it. <laughs> it's just the same Everyone there's crazy. There you go. Think you can handle that sort of responsibility? No, no human should own a lizard. Well, at the time, both witnesses definitely saw something like an upright man-like lizard about four feet tall. And then there is the matter of the sketch. Officer Shockey's sister drew it for them shortly after the experience with the creature. It clearly looks like a giant frogman. It's bipedal. I have an image actually here. Do you want to see? Yeah, see. show me. <laughs> okay. That's He's a, bipedal. He is on two legs. How old was his sister when she drew that? Hey, it's a good sketch. We don't need to we don't need to throw Officer Shockey's sister under the bus here. Okay. She was just trying to help. Tried her best. <laughs> she did good. It's on two legs. I'll give her that. Well, during 2001, Weird Ohio did a follow-up investigation, re-interviewing principals including Ron Schaffner about Matthew's attempts to pull back from his original story. Schaffner told them, quote, why, after all these years, is Matthews debunking the story? I'm not sure. Could be a number of reasons, but both officers told us that it resembled the sketch in 1976. Why would they show us a composite drawing of this creature back in 1976 and tell us it looked like the drawing? I lived in Loveland for about five years, and the story is still circulating with many variations. Maybe Matthews is just tired of hearing the story and all the variations. So that's it. Oh, that's it? <laughs> Do you want me to finish it better? I could probably finish it better. Yeah, I didn't expect it. <laughs> that was Sorry. very abrupt ended. No, it's okay. I just wasn't expecting it. 
In August 2016, a local Cincinnati TV station reported that, quote, a night of fun turned into a chilling tale of horror when two teenagers playing Pokemon Go between Loveland Madeira Road and Lake Isabella claimed to see a giant frog near the lake on August 3rd that stood up and walked on its hind legs. Holy shit. However, it was later revealed to be a local student from Archbishop Moeller from Archbishop Moeller High School in an atten- <laughs> in a homemade frog costume. Why on what is happening? Why is everyone dressing up like lizards and frog people? They, what is happening? I really people not are sure. shooting shooting these lizards. People are dressing up like the lizards. I don't understand this country anymore. Then you can get out. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> I don't no, know. but that so that um false sighting was the last that we've heard of the frogman. So if any of you listeners at home uh, are familiar with the Loveland Frogman of Ohio, please God, yeah, share your story tell with me us. If you see a frogman, I want to see him. <laughs> I want to see him. Oh my God! All right, I, well, maybe it's like a wizard. Could be. He did have a wand. I do think it's really interesting that the wand never made a reappearance in all the tales. I thought that was a very interesting part of the story. I know yeah. it's a frogman, right? But like, also, he had a wand that shot fire. It was like the hook. Come on. And it just sort of got left out of the rest know. of the story. I don't understand. Frog but there people. you have it, folks. All right. That's it, everyone. Thanks for listening to our first cryptid episode, as silly as it was. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It is. Uh, I think we'll have to do was. some more. Yeah, oh, definitely. We got a lot of cryptid stuff on the way going into the winter months, I believe. If there's any in particular that y'all want to hear about, please let us know. Please email us and let us know. There's a lot more out there than I thought. Oh, tons and tons. Yeah. Like we said, we're recording this pre-election, so whatever hole you're listening to this in, we hope you're well. We hope you've stocked up. Your cans are safe. Hey. Your canned food. Hey, or let's be optimistic. You could be doing well. Maybe you're thriving. Thriving in your cave. Apocalypse Radio, baby. <laughs> Every week on the week. Join join us here on the Long Road Home. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore LRH underscore pod. Follow us there to keep up with some of our day-to-day activities and a little bit more frequent uh, schedule changes or, and schedule changes and stuff like that. And if you're not out there on the Twitter sphere... Twitter sphere or on Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook at the LRH pod. Yeah. And be sure to check out our Patreon. We've got some tears up. We got a lot of good stuff in there and we're going to be posting more and more regular regularly as we get people in. So be sure to go check us out there as well. One last method of contact. You can also email us at the LRH show at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, praise, I like praise. Validate us. Validate us. <laughs> Yeah, if you've ever seen a frogman or a lizard person, I would absolutely love to hear that story. Share your cryptid tales with us. Yeah, and wherever you are, we hope you're well. And just be safe out there, folks. And take care of yourself. Whatever's happening, yes. take a moment. If you need to meditate, if you need to go for a walk, do take it. Take a nice big breath. Indulge. And just scream into a pillow. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We're out of here. Thanks so much for joining us here on The The Long Long Road Road Home. Home. Goodbye, everyone. See you next week. Smell you later.